So, gentlemen, all I want to do is talk about Animal Crossing. Uh, but I guess that there has been some pretty important news when it comes to next generation consoles. Uh, so we should probably talk a little bit about the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 uh, information that's come out over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I want to talk mm. about the Xbox first because uh, Microsoft have actually made announcements that make sense to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Sony <laughs> have not made announcements <laughs> to make any sense to me. Um, you know, uh, obviously Microsoft showed off hardware. Like hardware is the thing that that really is is gelling in my mind. Uh, we probably all seen Austin Evans, uh, my co-host on the test drivers. He uh, was able to go and see uh, the hardware. Um, I think Digital Foundry would had a look too. And I th- really like seeing the hardware in person. Like, you know, well, not in person, but having a person show it off rather than a video where it's also floating in an ocean. Like, it makes, it looks cooler than I thought it would. Like, I can see the effort and care that's been put into it. Like, it kind of has more of an interesting look to me than the uh, Xbox One did. Like, the Xbox One also looked big, but just looked like a big games console. The Series X at least has, like, a, a more interesting look to it. From a hardware perspective, I am a little concerned about the one fan that's in the system uh, that's just drawing air through, like Austin said, akin to the Mac Pro, like the trash can Mac Pro. I'm hoping that Microsoft know what they're doing here, but like that's the one thing that I'm concerned about. Um, but the hardware looks, I mean, it looks interesting, it looks cool, like everything else about it is kind of like, yeah, okay, what do you guys, have you guys have got any kind of overall opinions about the series x hardware it looks pretty functional it looks mm-hmm. like a like a mini version of my air purifier well mm-hmm. the old one i have a dyson one now doesn't look anything like a dyson no. uh, but it's uh, i don't know it's different so different is good i guess at least yeah. it's not another black rectangle you know so I mean, I'm up for it. If it works for them, you know, the thermal system and all of that, if it works for them, didn't work quite work for Apple. No. There was a computer. Maybe it works this time around. Yeah, I mean, my hope, honestly, is that the reason it looks the way it does is because they have designed it with power in mind, right? Like, mm-hmm. th- that that's the hope that you would have. Like, everything's pretty spaced out, and it's kind of a case of, like, we, I mean, it looks like a PC, right? So everybody's saying, I mean, there's probably a reason for that because it has like PC guts inside of it. Both of these machines do, you know, both the PlayStation and the Xbox. But, uh, you know, I think it looks it looks good. I think some of the software features that are more interesting to me, like what this hardware is allowing. Right. Um, and the the quick resume feature is really good because... You know, it's just I've been thinking about this recently, especially having seen these features. It is wild, right, that like we have these really powerful dedicated games consoles, but my iPhone launches games quicker than it, no matter what the game is. Because Oh my god. Yes. The, right? <laughs> Shahid, is this yes. I mean, as someone who's been more like focused on hardware, I guess, you know, from an internal perspective, it is kind of like a funny, almost schadenfreude like thing, right? Where it's like we have these dedicated games consoles but no matter what the game is, it always loads it slower than an iPhone. Well, there are a number of reasons for that. The iPhone is designed to multitask. Yeah, The iPhone is not a single tasking machine. A games console has always been a single tasking machine and only started to break away very 
gently with the PS3, Xbox 360 um, era mm-hmm. and became a lot more, I guess, I, I wouldn't say a lot more, actually. No, that, that's pushing it too far. It became a bit more uh, of a suspend, resume kind of thing with the PS4, Xbox One era. But even then, it was meant to be a single function, single purpose device primary reason for which was to play triple a games and and that has been the case since the very first consoles since you had basically a toy-like device to begin mm-hmm. with you know you had a cartridge stuck that in single purpose that's what it's about now i think the way most people who are into consoles play console games is not flitting between game uh between games but it's buying something that they've been looking forward to for a long time and just living in it for a long period of time. I can see that. I can yeah, see that's that. That's a AAA model. Yeah. That's true because like, I'm only playing Animal Crossing right now. Like, I'm not dipping into another game. Um, but I think that there is like the other part of this, which is more important, I guess, from moving to an SSD-based architecture, which is why this can happen anyway, is load times in general, right? Yeah, and that that's appalling. You you know my take on this. I yeah. I have moved away from PS4 and Xbox One and onto Switch because Switch minimizes that. I mm-hmm. mean, it's still there, but it's nowhere near as annoying or frustrating as it is on PS4 and Xbox One, plus all of the updates, plus the slow speed of the network in general. I forgive them now because obviously everyone's throttling to to make sure the ISPs don't conk out. But in general, the the whole experience of being a casual games player, in other words, someone who's not the, the typical niche hardcore player of a console, has become close to unbearable. And this is what I'm looking forward to. You know, if they didn't upgrade the box at all, except for the addition of some NVMe SSD or whatever... The, whatever the tech they decide to use, as long as it's closer to the speed of RAM than it is to the speed of a CD-ROM, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm going to be a lot happier yeah. about the idea of updating, about uh, installing, because, you know, it's not just downloading the game, it's updating it. And, that, and then there are the system updates and everything else. Mm-hmm. And that will wipe out an hour of an evening where I could just be playing a Switch game, which is what I'd rather do. Because I don't think there's been a single time where I've spent a longer than, I don't know, two, three minutes waiting for something on the Switch. Mm. Can you remember? I mean, you, you nope. guys play a lot more than I do. So this is the thing, that these next-gen consoles, if they take away that pain, that's a big step forward. The rest of it, whether you can flip between games, is is kind of less relevant to me than the idea that when I come back to the machine, I will be able to play a really, really great game and get straight into it. That, for me, is the most exciting thing. And even if they hadn't updated the guts of the machine, even if the GPUs are the same, um, even if the CPUs were the same, even if the RAM was the same, I really wouldn't care. Because I think games have got to the point now where they are good enough and everything else is just shouting about minor and trivial updates stuff like the shift to 4k is it as meaningful as the shift to uh hd from sd i don't think it is no i don't think it is 
It's it's great. Um, not always. It is. It's great, and it's nice to have. Mm. But I don't think we're ever going to get as meaningful a shift in resolution as we did from SD to HD, because it, you know, HD is like the minimum acceptable standard, right? That's yeah, kind of what yeah. we learned. And then moving yeah. to 4K and 8K, I just don't think the same level is there. Yeah. Like yeah. what our eyes are able to perceive, it changes a lot, and from person to person is less effective. Uh, but SD to HD, you know, we can all agree on that, right? Like that, mm. we can all agree that that was a big change and it was a meaningful change. But past that, it, it, there are it, the returns are diminishing at that point. You know what? We we are at the event horizon of two D display technology. So every, no matter how much further we go, it will always be a case of diminishing returns. We're we're at the asymptote now. Mm-hmm. You'd have to spend a colossal amount of money to make the experience better. Now it's much more about the technology. It's much more, uh, when I say technology, I mean software technology. It's about um, bringing AI more into things. It's about the production of assets much more quickly, using computers to help in the real-time production of assets. That kind of thing is going to become more important, but only because it will allow more people to create the kind of experiences that we've got right now, rather than relying on teams that require dev budgets of upwards of a hundred million dollars the other big thing that people are talking about right like microsoft actually has some stuff to show too and funnily enough with minecraft which is kind of hilarious but it worked was ray tracing right like that ray tracing is the that this is maybe the thing that's going to make the biggest effect because it will be a big graphical change um which could be, int- I mean, it could be interesting, right? Like just the way that light is used in gaming and that kind of stuff to make bigger effects and graphics. And the Minecraft stuff especially did look really good. Like, I don't know if you guys saw it, but like it was yep. like, oh, this is much more dramatic. And I can imagine on, on especially on HDR televisions, is going to look really nice. And I can see that being a big difference maker, but I'm also keen to see what it will look like in a more AAA style game you know they've shown off some some like gears footage but it was never made with all of this stuff in mind um so i i'm kind of keen to see what it will end up looking like eventually uh cuz again like hdr was a big thing and it's nice but wasn't a massive difference maker maybe ray tracing will be something more than that or maybe it will just be another little sum of the overall parts but it is like something that really couldn't have been done all before so now both microsoft and sony are really shouting about it do you know what it's a it's a tick box exercise yeah it's because they have to do it because pcs are doing it now mm-hmm. and and they have to incorporate it in some small way and i you know i i've been so excited about ray tracing for so long but i think a lot of people are going to be disappointed at the marginal gains that they get yes okay. reflections will be better um yes some detail in the shadows will be better um, but you know, really, maybe some global illumination is going to be better. But these are going to be details that only the geeks notice. Mm. You know, people like you and I, who, you know, who who love our games, who appreciate them, who could tell the difference if you showed us static screenshots side by side, and we really squinted. You know, we're not going to be that bothered. I mean, the the point I'm trying to make is, is it worth spending another four hundred quid to get ray tracing? I don't know, you know? I think the games were already looking great. Look at something like Control, which was my game of the year from last year. I think it was one of yours as well. It was No, it wasn't, was it? No, that would be stupid. No, for me, I mentioned I mentioned it. It was You from, mentioned Control, yeah. right? So 
So I don't know if you've seen some of the screenshots that are doing the rounds. I've actually got a card capable of doing ray tracing on my PC. It's one of those um, Titan something or other. It's a 2080 Ti anyway, uh, NVIDIA thing. And I've been having a look at stuff. And while it makes everything faster and smoother, and I'm all for that, you know me, I'm the 60 frames a second guy. Um, that's all great. The smoothness is appreciated, but the detail is kind of lost on me. <laughs> also, I gotta say, because I'm getting a bit, bit ancient, my eyes are not as good as they used to be. So even with glasses, I can't always see fast moving higher detail because the differential is so small. Isn't it kind of funny how both uh, Microsoft and Sony are essentially trying to like more and more like this was true arguably in last generation but now it's so obvious to me that they're basically trying to sell you a pc without the complications of a pc mm -hmm. and like i wonder is this all there is like a console is now at least for these two manufacturers a console is just a pc in a box where you don't have to configure anything but like you buy it pre-made like is it is this like the end if you will of the evolutionary path of the xbox and playstation just a pc because for all intents and purposes this is a pc with a simplified dashboard where you don't see the os you don't see the file manager but you're basically buying a pre-assembled pc that can play video games yeah i think it is it's mm. got to be hasn't it i mean it's been the case since the ps4 right. and xbox one right and then we've had the talk cycle uh, we we had their their bumps, the PS4 Pro and and all of that, and this is just an iteration on that. This is like I, I guess these machines, they're going to be amazing. They're going to be gorgeous. They're going to look beautiful. They're going to be faster, smoother in every way. The game experiences are going to be more more solid. They're going to be bigger as well, obviously. But really, they're I guess the equivalent of the iPhone 11 Pro against the iPhone 10. It's the same underlying idea, perfected. Mm -hmm. So as well, you know, Microsoft also showed off their controller and all that kind of stuff, right? Like we really got to see the entire console. Um, they shared some of their plans around how they're going to be doing expandable storage, how the storage is going to work. They kind of really went into depth. But the honestly, the, the, the Sony announcement, I couldn't get through it. I just... It, I know it wasn't meant for me in the way that, that, that Microsoft stuff was meant for consumers and Sony's was really meant for... It was like their GDC presentation, basically. Um, but I wonder if the two of you really took anything from what Sony had to show off. My, uh, It was also very hard for me to follow most of it. But the... Uh, I, and I figured maybe Shahid can confirm from a developer's standpoint the sort of the consensus and the reaction that I saw on Twitter was that what Sony is doing in terms of the SSD performance is more impressive than what Microsoft is doing. And like I saw a bunch of developers tweeting that the performance they were able to get out of the mm -hmm. SSD in the PS5 dev kits was really incredible and how that changes game design in terms of like all these little tricks that developers now adopt, like when they need to load, for example, a different portion of a map and like instructions displayed to the users in the loading, in the loading screens because loading screens are necessary now, but they will not be necessary on the PS5 and in tomorrow's consoles because of these faster loading times. So... I just, that was my only takeaway, really, that the, you know, and there's all, 
know, people talking about, oh, but the Xbox has more teraflops than the PS5. And at the end of the day, I really think it's more about the games. But the performance aspect of, well, this game is going to run so much quicker on the PS5 than the Series X, maybe that's an interesting comparison from the technical standpoint. Well, these differences were much more magnified in the early days of video game consoles because the base level performance was so bad in comparison to what we have today. But now when the base level performance is so high, the difference is marginal. And I don't think anybody is going to notice. I mean, if you if you even go back as recently as a PS3 to Xbox 360 era, which was a more powerful machine? Uh, 360, right? No. No? <laughs> no. Yeah. The PS3 was more powerful. But, huh. but nobody knew why. Because a PS3 was so hard to program. That and was it. it. All, yep, yep, yeah. Yep. And it took almost the entire generation for programmers and primarily, I have, it has to be said, first party and second party programmers to catch up. And towards the end of the generation, it was clear with the likes of Uncharted that the PS3 was superior in terms of overall hardware. But did it matter? No. The, X6, uh, the Xbox 360 had utterly dominated the early rounds. And even though at the end of that era the PS3 had outsold the Xbox 360. A lot of people still don't know that, but it's true. Eventually, because of the the European presence, it outsold the Xbox 360. It might as well have not have done because it took so long and it almost destroyed Sony in the process. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is that the performance differential, going back to that generation, didn't really make an awful lot of difference. That's not what it was about. There were... Obviously, there were difficulties in the early stages, so people were, developers were finding it very, very difficult to get games on the PS3 to look as good as the Xbox 360, and that was enough. So the architectural complexity was a put-off, mm-hmm. right? And that's the kind of thing that used to lead in the early days of consoles. But now everyone knows that architectural complexity is mm. an absolute no-no. So, that so can, you, can you explain this to me, though? And I'm sorry for cutting you off, but can you explain, like, because I've always wondered... And, Someone and, has to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does it mean when a console is, is more difficult to develop for? And, and I ask this from the, you know, obviously wrong assumption that, like, if you develop a game in, like, using Unity, for example, like, isn't Unity the same? Like, no matter, like, the destination platform like what what makes one more difficult to develop for than the other if it's uh, an answer that can be simplified i'll do my very best. okay i'll do my very best so i use unity a fair bit and you have to bear in mind that every piece of hardware has certain hard edges if you like in terms of its capabilities that as a developer you have to work around, which could significantly affect performance if you get them wrong. For example, if you have a certain amount of memory, if you can assume a certain amount of memory on a graphics card, you know that you could build your game in such a way that you could upload a whole ton of materials up to a certain limit to a graphics card, and it will still be okay. But if you don't take care and you overflow it, and then there is traffic going between the the graphics bus 
and the main memory and the CPU and whatever. Mm-hmm. You, you've got this enormous quantity of data being transferred across the system. That is what is causing pretty much all of the bottlenecking. You want everything to stay as close to possible as where it's going to be used. And you want as little shunting about of data as possible. Because memory is not as fast as processors anymore. It used to be that memory was, you know, was slow, but so were processors, so it didn't matter. But now, if you miscalculate how you're going to access memory, you can really, really slow things down. You get things called cache misses, which I'm sure you know about, which mean that the next time the processor tries to fetch some memory, it's going to take forever. And this Mm. is the kind of thing that can cause frame rate drops. It's the kind of thing that forces developers who are not particularly skilled to reduce the resolution of their games at the last minute and so on. Because it can get very, very complicated if you don't bear this in mind early on. The very best developers, what they do, especially first-party developers, is understanding the architecture of the machine and understanding those hard limits of memory, the hard limits of bandwidth, the hard limits of how fast the memory goes, and the capabilities of the respective um, components. So, for example, how many cores a CPU has, um, how many uh, stream processors a, a GPU has, that kind of thing. If they're aware of these, they can work much more closely to the metal and ignore the abstractions and therefore get much better results. This is why the very best developers in the world, particularly first-party developers and first-party studios, tend to go to the metal and don't use engines. The engines are designed to be a compromise that allow developers to take shortcuts and target every platform without achieving the best possible performance on each hardware platform. I hope that wasn't too much. No, that's that was an excellent explanation. Thank you. I just needed to know that because it's something that like like you people always say like oh yeah the PST was more difficult to develop for but it's like just something that people repeat I I feel like without necessarily knowing why and so that's mm-hmm. why I asked you. Uh, but now you you can see now why the architectures have converged, right? Because it it makes it a lot because these things are so complex now. They're such big beasts. And development budgets are so high to try and reach people. It means that in order to attract more developers, you've got to convince them that your architecture is not that different to the competition. So now you can do PC, PS4, Xbox One, and the next generation will be able to do PC, PS5, Xbox Series X. And it will be a very similar code base and perhaps with some frills for the PC version. But this is why they had to have the ray tracing tick box, because people will be taking advantage of that. We're very early days with ray tracing, by the way. Not not many people are going to use it, because Mm -hmm. the performance hit is savage. But, you know, it is early days, and that means people who do start to get used to it will have a head start when there's a lot more ray tracing going on. But that, that explains why the architectures have converged. It's simply too expensive and too risky for console manufacturers to do it. The only people who can get away with it are Nintendo. Because they don't they don't fight that battle. And right. as far as I'm concerned, I love them for it. Long live Nintendo. And yes, I love Mario. Right, so we still have like a ways to go before these consoles are going to be available. It's going to be at least the end of the year, maybe further now, we're not sure. But as it stands right now, Microsoft are 
grabbing my attention more than Sony is. And I know that this is obviously Microsoft's plan, right? That, that this is what they want to do right now. They want to be front of mind for people. So they're doing everything they can to show off as much as they have. I feel like Sony should have taken a step to show the console, but I will also say that they probably know what they're doing. It, and again, these things always do come down to the games, but just from a, from a standpoint of me thinking about where I want to put my efforts in for the next generation, like from which company am I leaning more towards right now? It is Microsoft. Like I am more interested in what they are doing right now. So I am very keen to see how the next few months go as Sony, I assume, get ready to show off more. It is funny, like Sony knew what they needed to do and they took the step months ago to show their hand first, right? They had that that uh, interview with Wired, right? And they got out before Microsoft to give the idea that like this generation was all about SSDs and ray tracing, right? And then Microsoft basically had to just say they were doing the same, but then Microsoft decided that they would show off their hardware and then show it off in great detail a couple of months later, and we've seen nothing of the PlayStation 5 right now, mm -hmm. except the logo. Of the things that we heard last year from Sony, I think what's potentially interesting is what they're going to do with the controllers, with the DualShock 5, um, especially regarding the haptic feedback stuff that they... There was an article in Wired last year, I believe, yeah, where yeah. Mark Cerny gave some details around the DualShock 5 and the advanced haptics that they were going to do. So that's potentially interesting because the 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 Xbox the Xbox controller is really the uh, at least for me the most disappointing uh, like update, quote unquote update. They sort of revised the layout a bunch. There's a new D-pad, there's a new texture, but it still uses AA batteries. <laughs> And it and it doesn't really do anything new or different. Whereas I feel like the DualShock Five, if they do the advanced haptic stuff, that could be something more than just a gimmick. It was a bit of a gimmick on the Nintendo Switch initially. Like we all thought, oh, these what's it called on, on the Switch? The HD Rumble, I think mm -hmm. it's called. It's mm -hmm. gonna revolutionize revolutionize gaming and on the Nintendo Switch and. It, quite didn't no. but maybe on the DualShock 5 it could be it could be interesting so maybe that's something that's something new and different right the the Xbox controller was really kind of just meh yeah especially because it still uses batteries yeah that's that's hilarious. just terrible that's it's just, just hilarious terrible. uh do you guys have anything more you want to say about the about what we've seen so far and with the consoles i feel like more than ever it comes down to the games like, I don't think the general consumer will necessarily care about the fact that the Xbox has 1.5 teraflops more than the PS5. And I think it, it all comes down to the exclusives again. Like, it was true last generation. I think it's going to be true this generation. Sony has at least a couple of games, big games, coming out this year. Of course, the new Uncharted, no Uncharted, uh, The Last of Us, and uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which is coming out in June, I believe. And those might as well become also PS5 launch titles with some graphical enhancements. Um, so I think it's going to come down to the exclusive stuff. I think Microsoft, though, as the uh, they're doing something really, really 
potentially problematic for PlayStation when it comes to backwards compatibility. The message from Sony surrounding backwards compatibility has been kind of confusing at best. Like initially they said, um, like we were all under the assumption that it was going to be backwards compatible. And then they said, no, only some games will be. And then they clarified that saying, we believe that the vast majority of 4,000 games will be compatible with PS5. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that content from PS1 and 2 and 3 will also be playable, just 4,000 games from the PS4. Whereas Microsoft is saying, look, all games, like all Xbox games, regardless of like which generation, so starting from the very first Xbox, 360 and Xbox One, you can play them all on your Series X. And actually we're doing some pretty cool stuff in terms of like upscaling them to 4K, which was true for the Xbox One. Like if you have an Xbox One X, um, certain older games get automatically upscaled to 4K. And on the Series X, they're also going to do like this crazy, like machine learning powered HDR conversion for those old games. Yep. So Microsoft is saying, Look, and also we don't hardware, care. right? Like all the controllers and stuff will work, which is also a really nice, right. nice thing. So to Microsoft do. is saying, look, you buy a new Xbox, you can play all Xbox games ever released. And most of them also get some graf graphical enhancements for free. And Sony is out there saying, uh, maybe some, most of the games from the PS4 will work. Well, but we can't tell you yet. And I think that's potentially problematic right now. All I care about is Animal Crossing. Also true. Animal Crossing is not going to be on either of those consoles, so they are <laughs> automatically doomed. Animal already. Crossing with ray tracing. Uh, <laughs> Imagine that. Like, it's... It's all I care about right now. I'm so happy that this game has come when it did. I mean, and as well, like, I'm sure you guys have been keeping up with this. It seems like this could be one of the best-selling video games in all of history, yep. which is yep. bananas. Mm. But, like, it's already, just on physical sales alone, one of the best-selling, if not the best-selling Switch game before digital sales have even been counted. Which mm -hmm. is... And it's also, like, sold... What was it? I think I saw the highest weekend sales of the Switch in Japan in history. Like, obviously, this is... it was all, This game was always going to do well, but it is coming at a time when the world kind of needs a new big game, and it's like the perfect game for... They couldn't have timed it any better, could they? No. And, you know, I've I seen a Switch... An Animal Crossing Switch on Amazon for five hundred and fifty pounds, <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's like I think I've seen a bunch of interviews and stuff, and they're like, you know, we're happy that that this game can come out right now, but we kind of wished it wasn't the case, you know, because like Nintendo mm. were just so lovely, right? You know, but but it's you know they they're like, well, you know, this is the case. This is where we are, um, and we're happy people are getting this from it but we kind of wish it wasn't this way but but uh the the sales of this game have just been monumental right like across every market every region uh and it's fantastic i love it uh i know federico i know you're playing it shahid have you, mm -hmm. have you tried it out or no no sadly not i've actually been I, I, and it sounds ridiculous. My life hasn't dramatically changed despite the current situation. Mm -hmm. 
because I practically live in the shed anyway. The mm-hmm. only great big difference was I didn't get to go to GDC. I had to cancel my trip. But yeah. apart from that, my life hasn't changed. And because of that, you know, I've been juggling a lot of balls lately and those have increased because of the situation to include family and so on. So, yeah. so what happened is I was going to get it day one and then I thought, I can't right now because there are these other things I've got to do. But what I have been doing is following all of my friends, playing it, talking about it incessantly. Yeah. Yeah, me and Federico are uh, at this moment blessed by not having children in that we can play video <laughs> games. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd love to play more video games. But my yeah, you're right. My kids do kind of push me aside and say, listen, old man, we'll show you how to play video games. <laughs> But yeah, I will get to Animal Crossing. But you know me, I kind of come to these things late. I, you know, even with Breath of the Wild, I came to that very late. Yeah. But I loved it even more because of that, because I got to play it with my son. It was amazing. And this game is like, it's good for families, right? Like it has, so it has a lot of interesting stuff around multiplayer, even local multiplayer. One of these quote unquote features is upsetting people, which I'm usually not with and on board with the mass upset behind video games, but like I kind of feel like I understand this one a little bit more, which is the idea that you can only play one version of the game per Switch, and if another user tries to play, they're only going to play on the island of the main user, which is just can be, in a lot of situations, frustrating for everybody involved. Um, And I think that it would have been... I know why Nintendo... I feel like I understand why Nintendo wanted to do this, um, well, partly why they would want to do this is like that could be an interesting thing. Like a family can all play together in a, in a uh, not at the same time way, which is a nice thing to have. But I feel like it should be a, a choice, not the way that the game is done. But nevertheless, uh, we're both me and my wife are playing at home. We have our own switches, and we're not really playing together as much as we are playing at the same time, which we're enjoying greatly. Um. But I really am loving this game. I think in the additions, the modern additions to the franchise in the Nook Phone and Nook Miles are very clever. Um, and they're great ways to actually give you more to do in the game, um, which I'm enjoying a lot, right? Like having more uh, short-term goals is something that I'm liking a lot. Uh, and having more options of things to buy and all that kind of stuff is fun. Um I'm enjoying the crafting as well and the customization Ooh, aspect. Really? You are enjoying the crafting? Yeah, why oh. wouldn't I? Uh, I I just feel like... It's good uh, to crafting... have ways to get more mm. items than just having so, to buy stuff every yes. day. Well, yes. But I feel like... And there was a, a tweet by my friend uh, Mohammed Tahir a few days ago that really sums it up quite nicely, my perspective as well. I feel like crafting and breakable tools, they are the sort of like modern gaming like uh, stereotypes, like these features mm. and arguably like open world is also another and one of these stereotypes. <laughs> and ro- like one of these like... Um, sort of memes that like if you want to be a modern game you have to have these features and i feel like breakable Nintendo, tools are annoying like breakable tools yeah. are but this that the, isn't new to animal crossing though it is new to animal yes but i feel like the combination of crafting and breakable tools like i would have much preferred especially because nintendo did like they 
they did this years ago with Breath of the Wild. And for all the praise and, and you know, excellent reviews that Breath of the Wild got, the single complaint that everybody kept mentioning was, I really wish the weapons and the tools were not breakable because it's so annoying. Like you go through the trouble of getting a specific sword or shield and then it breaks. And I feel like Nintendo could have learned that lesson and mm. instead they doubled down on it. Like you can craft everything now, but also it's going to break. And it adds that it, it's in stark, I feel like it's in stark contrast with the sense of tranquility and and just peacefulness in Animal Crossing, you have the tiny bit of anxiety that a tool is going to break on you. And then you're going to go through the, you know, trouble of redoing it again. And I feel like the... Like, I'm loving this game, but yeah. the worst aspect, at least for me, is the combination of crafting and breakable tools and the really poor inventory management. So the inventory management's a nightmare. Like, that's just... It's just a nightmare. Um, but I'm... It's like that one is my frustration. The, the tools thing isn't so much of an issue for me, really. Because, like, as time goes on, your tools get stronger and they break less. Uh, but I understand why it can be annoying, but I... That that one, I went into the game expecting it because it's how the game has always been. Like, and I know that there is an unbreakable tool. I'm just not there yet, right? Like the gold versions of all the tools, right? I'm assuming that that mm-hmm. still exists. Yeah. Um, the crafting I like though because what what I enjoy is that I can build different furniture items, and it gives me more choice and more stuff to make and do. Where like in the previous games, I was always frustrated by the minimal options i had available of stuff to buy where like now if i want to outfit my home i can build more furniture with the diy method and i can have a bed and a bookcase and and, and can build multiple bedside tables and all that kind of stuff like if that's what i want to do so i do like that addition of it um but I but I am on board that like the breakable tools i don't really know who's serving like at this point like i don't really know why it's of any benefit right considering there are more things to craft now in animal crossing than just tools um i you know i I, I figured that having my tools break is not really that there isn't like a big benefit to me in that right like just let me focus on gathering the materials for other stuff because at a certain point like so i've been playing uh, a couple of times a day every day for the past week and at this point, like it's not like I'm I'm ever in like in like uh, resource peril for tools. I could just go make another one, right? Like I always have the stuff I need, so I could just do it whenever. Um, and but then the the other thing that is, I guess, more frustrating, where compared to something like Minecraft, is I need to have access to a station to build the tools that I can't as easily transport in like with Minecraft, it's way easier to transport crafting tables and put them down wherever you want and build. But anyway, uh, I I continue to love the personality and the, Mm the, 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 the personalization of the game. Right. So like me and Adina are playing next to each other, but things are wildly different, right? Like she has different people on her Island, different stuff available in a store every day. And she's up, she's going at a different pace than me. Like we're at different points in the game just because of luck or whatever, right? Like I uh, found 30,000 bells from one of those balloons 
oh, okay, lucky you. I kept out a 10,000 from a balloon. Right. I found 30,000 and it meant I could pay off something way faster. And then I was moving, you know, like, so I jumped ahead in front of her in that way, right? Because I had a bit of luck. Um, but I, and, but I also just really like the way that the game moves that way, right? And some, there can be luck, there can be good luck, bad luck, and, and you have your own experience in, in that regard. Like, it's very nice. Uh, are you playing in real time? I am. Yeah, I, I don't understand time skipping Animal Crossing. I understand <laughs> why people do it. I would never do it. Like, and I think the reason people do it is because they treat this game like any other game and they want to move to the end, right? Yeah, that's there's the, no that's end. the mentality, there's I think. No I know end. there's no end. But like, <laughs> I know that, you know that. But like, I think there's this idea of like, I just want to move for it quickly and experience it all fast. But that, that's not really the intention of the game. But... I do like this time that Nintendo is kind of like accepted it and there is no, there doesn't appear to be any penalizing for doing this stuff now. Where in the past, you know, the game has always tried to tell you that it knows what you're doing and make you feel bad. Like they mm-hmm. haven't included any of those features, I don't believe, in, in uh, the new version. And, and I'm kind of cool with that, where it's kind of just like, let people play the game the way they want to play it. If they want to change their system clock every day to push through the game faster, let them go for it. But that's not the way I... I mean, I wanted this game so it would occupy a long span for me. Um, And I think it's going to do that. I have no reason to feel that it's not going to do that, which is great. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to introduce again. This is a game that I that I think is perfect to help you through stressful times, mm. you know, whether you're dealing, you know, there's folks dealing with depression, anxiety, and especially at this time of really across the entire world. I think it's it's more common across a lot more individuals. And like to be able to find this sort of, this uh, peaceful oasis, you know, this island where you can just chill and, and you know, uh, sell fruit and uh f- furnish your house like Talk this peaceful to a pink uh puppy called cookie Ex- exactly mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> uh like i don't want to rush through this game because mm-hmm. like you i i want it to last for a long time and I feel like this is the type of game that I would play like 30 minutes to an hour every day for a long time. And it's just, it's just, it, it's perfect for that, right? I think it, Nintendo, like, I remember playing Animal Crossing, so I skipped the 3DS one, right? The last Animal Crossing that I played was in the DS days. So I believe yeah. it was called Wild World on the DS. The last one I played seriously was the GameCube one. Oh wow! Okay, I know I, I know I've dipped in and out, but like the GameCube one, I was like big on, and I think I've picked up one of the 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 DS or 3DS ones, but didn't play it as seriously. Okay, so guys, is this like a does this feel like a nice nostalgic reminder of previous versions, or does it take it to a whole new level? Mm. And if so, why? I think it's both for, for me personally. Um, I may have played New Leaf. Which was the 3DS one? Yeah, I played. I played that. I'm looking at the Wikipedia now. I definitely played New Life. That was the last main game. There was Happy Home Designer, which was just a home designing game, which was a, a DS game. But New Leaf was was a DS game. Uh, but so I have the nostalgia in that a lot of the mechanics that have always been in the series are there, right? Like there are just 
you know, you know what that star shape on the ground means, right? Like, you know what that sound for the wind of the balloon, like you, these things. Mm-hmm. But the, the additions of some of the, the idea of like there being a phone and that has a bunch of apps on it and those apps are useful in the real world or that there is a mileage program because you're flying around a lot now and doing things and that on like there are definite i think modern advances to the game whilst also i think staying core to what animal crossing is about that's the way i've come to this anyway what do you think federico yeah i think it's it, it that's that's true it's got the same uh, at least so far it's got the same structure and the same overall like rule set like here's how you need to plant trees which of course i forgot and now i needed to plant them all uh, <laughs> all of them from scratch because i forgot the rule about leaving an empty spot um here's how you you plant flowers and you can mix flowers and you can get perfect fruit and you can you know and there's new mechanics like visiting random islands and like new materials and the crafting and the phone but i think it, it's a it's a good modernization of uh, of a uh, uh, tried and true structure. It's like a it's like a modern Mario game, right? You got the basic rules and the basic universe, and here's how it works. And you have Tom Nook, and it, you know you gotta pay money to that raccoon. And this game teaches kids what it means to pay your mortgage and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but also, you have these new functionalities. I I also really enjoy that they have doubled down on the evilness of Tom Nook in this oh, game. Oh man, it's like not only do you have to pay the raccoon, but you also need to build houses for other people. Oh, I, I love like, when they when they ask you to do that. One of the answers that you can give is, "Well, do I have any other choice?" Which <laughs> <laughs> is so good. Uh, and, and you know, I really like that they have they have. Very much doubled down on the meme of Tom Nook. You know, I was thinking about this, like in general. I I think Nintendo are aware of Stardew Valley here. Mm. I think that they oh, there must be that they have. You know, Stardew is very heavily you know influenced by Animal Crossing, right? Like the, the Animal Crossing, Harvest Moon. These are the games that influenced uh, Star- Stardew, and Stardew has been. A phenomenal success and i think that they very rightly so have pushed the animal crossing franchise into a different direction and advanced it because of that right like you are not in a town anymore right like they were like no you know what you're gonna go build a new civilization on an island and it's like okay right like you you took what the game was about but you've developed it and modernized it you're not you know and you're able to have what i like about this game is you're able to really customize right like really customize you can build not just your inside but the outside and the inside you have new tools so it's easier to decorate than it was ever before and like they've doubled down on what makes this game what it is but also i think what makes it different to games like stardew valley like Stardew, you you're not very you can't really customize a lot. Um, like you build your farm the way you build it, but that it feels much more like for optimization than for aesthetics. Mm. But I'm enjoying that this game is allowing me to do and and to more easily customize the look of my environments. 
Um, and they've also like expanded a lot of things. Like, how amazing is the museum? Oh my god, it's so good! It's it looks beautiful. So, it looks so small and like boring from the outside, and mm-hmm. then you go inside, and it's like this is serious. Like, yeah. I love the the water tanks for yeah, it's fantastic. Like, it's so good. Yeah, because I always was so begrudging in uh, donating things <laughs> to the museums. <laughs> Because it just felt like, well, what am I actually getting for this? Uh, but now it's like, well, now what I get is a very beautiful place to walk around inside of the game. So I'm super in. Like, I'm just, you know, I, I will say, this is my last point. Like, I, I turned on my Switch today and I saw a lineup which was Animal Crossing, Legend of Zelda, Stardew Valley, and Pokemon Sword. And I was like, God damn it, Nintendo. <laughs> what they have achieved in these last few years, unbelievable, right? Like looking at a list of games where one is like, you know, was my game of the decade, but my favorite game of all time, right? But looking at those games and being like, when I look back at like a larger period, maybe in like five years time, look back at the last 10 years and see those four games again. And it's like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> they're my favorite games of the last 10 years right like they really it's really like they've really nailed it big time and the the sales of all of this stuff are definitely speaking to that 